Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be with you today. We have got a great show in store. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about one of our incredible sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Y'all know we've been talking about May being Mental Health Awareness Month. And I recently saw my counselor. She has been so helpful to me as I navigate my mental, emotional, and spiritual health and physical health, too, honestly. I've benefited so much from her help. And I think it's really important to prioritize prioritize time for therapy, even in the midst of busy seasons. Yes and amen. I know May is always so busy, but adding a counseling appointment to your schedule doesn't have to be another stressor. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. They make it so easy. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. Y'all know we love a quiz, especially about your mental health. Plus, your session can be done right from home in your soft pants. It's entirely online, plus designed to be convenient, flexible, and fit in your schedule. Finding a therapist that is right for you is so important. And you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So you're sure to be working with someone who is a good match. When you're stretched thin, it is easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to figure out what you need or just have a conversation that will help you. Therapy can give you the tools to find more steadiness in your life so you can keep supporting your people without leaving yourself behind. Find more balance with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. Today on the show, I get to talk with my friend Ellie Bonilla Jr. Okay, if you came to the Love Better Tour back in ye old year of 2020, when you were at the Love Better Tour in Austin, Texas, you may remember Ellie. He was on our panel that night and I have adored him ever since. Ellie is an emerging leader in the next gen space. He serves several national networks and various roles, including the next gen regional co-chair for North America with Empowered 21 and the national millennial director for the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. He is also a next gen pastor in Louisiana. I cannot wait for y'all to hear us talking about that. Ellie's book, Mixed, Embracing Complexity by Uncovering Your God-Led Identity, just released this month. And today we talk about the reality that none of us fit into a box. We're all unique with a mixed background, socially, 
culturally, experientially. And some of our friends, like Ellie, are mixed ethnically. So how do we experience more human connection through a God-led identity? How do we develop greater empathy and celebrate multiple cultures without creating division and fight for people in the margins? Y'all, we're going to talk about all of it today. Y'all know how many books I read, right? Like, just think in your brain how many books I read. I've never read a book like this. I have never read a book like Mixed, and I think you should read it. I think it will really matter to you to hear this specific but universal story. It's Ellie's story, but it's so many of our friends' stories. I was really honored to get to read it and so happy to get to talk to him. So here is my conversation with my friend, Ellie Bonilla Jr. Ellie Bonilla, welcome to That Sounds Fun. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. What a treat. I yeah. mean, we were on the stage together. I wrote down the date. Yeah. February 29th, 2020. Wild. The week before the pandemic Wild. locked us all in our houses. Yeah. Can you believe that? That is crazy to I think. I know. I know. Yeah. I was looking it up last night and I was like, wait, I saw him yeah. days before our lives changed. How- we had no clue. We had no clue clue yeah. i don't even think we were talking about COVID 19 at that oh, point no not no. at all the coronavirus yeah yeah. The, yeah isn't that crazy how that yeah. happens like yeah. you you remember the moments right before and you're like we were just living life it just kind of puts things into perspective yeah. it's like you just you don't know what the future holds and wow what a moment a week after yes to live through yeah i can identify this so i wonder if you can hmm. what were you thinking about then that you're not thinking about now Ooh, what was I thinking about then that I'm not thinking about now? Ooh, I don't know. I, I feel like I there was a lot more autopilot back yes, then. That's kind of what I that's I wouldn't have had as good an answer as that. But yes, May, that's kind maybe of it. that I just wasn't thinking yes. as much as I do think now. Yes, probably that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I that is so similar. I think I was going forward thinking nothing can stop mm. the trajectory. Mm. Uh, not fame, blah, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nothing can stop the trajectory of what God is doing. No, for sure. Which is true, and right. also our entire trajectory stopped. Right, yeah. I think it's uh, nothing can stop what I assume is the trajectory. Yeah, that's it. You know? that's, it. Then, that's it. Because we, I think there's also, now we've had some time, we're like, oh, well, the trajectory, it's not that it's stopped, it's just looked different. And then now you think, you can't think of a world where that didn't happen. That's right. Now we have no idea what it would have turned out to be. But uh, here we are now. When you were with us on the Love Better Tour in Mm -hmm. 2020, you had one kid? I had one kid. And now you have two? Now I have two. That, I mean, even that, you're like, oh, I was a dad of one. Now I'm a dad of two. Uh, and of a, of a baby. Yeah. Like a baby, baby. <laughs> I mean, and she's about to be four oh this gosh. year. And so, I mean, like I have a, I have a kid, not a toddler yeah. anymore. Yeah. And she's talking and we we talk about all of the, the narrative plot lines of Bluey and it's yeah. fantastic. I, we love I it. need you to know I was at a um, <laughs> show last night at our performing arts center mm-hmm. and Bluey's coming live. Oh. And a 10 year old in front of me, a dude, a little dude was like, Mom, look, Bluey's coming. And I was like, yeah. everybody loves Bluey. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. Bluey is like the Taylor Swift for kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> they will gather, they will flock, they Do will migrate. Do you like it? Because I like used to love watching Dora. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, the dad on the show is like top three dads all time. Really? Oh man, I get emotional. <laughs> like, I get convicted. I watch and I'm like, oh, I need to be more Ellie. like Bandit. 
I, I mean, he's so great. If you've ever watched it, like if you're an adult and you don't have kids and you're playing it, right. just watch it and watch how they relate to their kids. It's so fun. Where do I watch and, it? Is it on PBS? Uh, it's on Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you can go on YouTube and type yeah. in Bluey episodes because that's what like we do with Bluey the kids. Dad. Bluey that's what Dad. I'm oh, search. Bluey Dad highlights. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Watch some highlights from Bandit. That's exactly that Oh, will my gosh. That's you. his name. They're all dogs. Yeah, they're all dogs. And Bandit's the dad. <laughs> Bandit's I love the dad. it. I didn't know we were going to give up. To Bluey hey, today, but hey, this is how go. it goes. Okay, you were starting to tell me a story about uh-huh. Pancake Pantry this morning, but yeah. I was like, no, please save it. Please tell all of yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. You're in Nashville. How was Pancake Pantry? Well, I actually went there out of convenience because it's really, you know, it's really close in proximity to to the studio. And so I was just looking on my GPS and I was like, ah, I want to get a breakfast before I come in. And yeah. I found it kind of on the way and I didn't know anything about it. So I, I hit it. I get an Uber. Uh, the Uber takes me in and I see the line uh-huh. outside with stanchions. Uh-huh. Like I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm looking at my clock and I'm like, I, I can't, like, there's no way. Yeah. And so I, I mean, but I already paid for the Uber to just drop me off in this intersection. Right. So I was like, I guess I'll get in line. And so the favor of the Lord <laughs> shone on me because I was like at the end of the line, there's a waiter guy walking person to person asking how many are in their group. Yep. And I was just by myself. And he's yeah. like, he's like one. And I was like, yeah, one. He's like, you want to sit outside? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, sit right here. And he gives me a menu. Uh-uh. And he says, your waiter's going to come right to your table. No. I had my food in 10 minutes. The Lord. In 10 <laughs> minutes. That does not happen at Pancake Pantry. I've, I've heard. I watched the line slowly inch. Yes. I mean, I ate and then got my next Uber before the people that were in line with me even got in the door. <gasps> oh, my god! So, you know, today's a good day. <laughs> For a podcast What'd like you this, have? Uh, I had pancakes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> certainly, certainly. Eggs and bacon. I, I'm pretty. Did you do like standard. OG plain pancakes? Yeah, right. And uh, in, in full disclosure, because I'm I'm Mexican, it's Cinco de Mayo. I should have had huevos rancheros, and I should have yeah. looked that up. I'm so sorry, Dad. <laughs> If you're listening to this, Dad, I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's very um, – you went to the right place. For our friends who haven't been to Nashville yet, Pancake Pantry in Hillsborough Village is like a legendary spot. And it's great. And it's it's great. fantastic. Their pancakes are unbelievable. For sure. So for your first time going, having the like OG mm-hmm. basics is what you should totally do. Right. The cornmeal ones are unstoppable to me. Right. Because they're like yeah. flat cornbread. I mean, mm-hmm. they're awesome. Yeah, and yeah, tons yeah. of butter and yeah, 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 yeah. Just get on it, get yeah, on yeah. it. Shout down some of the people that you love in Nashville because I want our audience to know, like Lou. I mean, like who else here that you love? Man, uh, Luke Lefevre, yeah. he is amazing. Uh, I love Noah, and Maddie, Heron. Yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, Grant and Cheyenne Skeldon. So, do you know all of them through Grant and Cheyenne? Because I know all of mm. y'all through Grant and Cheyenne. So I know Noah and Maddie. Well, I know Noah through Lee. I went to Lee University, oh, and so yeah. me and him and Craig. Uh, were there and Craig. Yeah, <laughs> shout prince. out to Craig. We call him the prince. Yes, shout out to the prince uh, of Lee University. We all were students at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we we all knew each other and not in a distant way. Like we yeah. knew, knew each other. And it's wild the amount of legends that Lee produces I because we're, I look around and I see so many of my friends doing great things in ministry. And so I uh, got a chance to meet him. And uh, obviously, when he got married to Maddie, got to yeah. know Maddie. And What uh, is it about Lee? I mean, you're doing college ministry now. I want us to talk about it. But what when you're doing college ministry, what are you thinking back and going, I want to do this because I feel like this is part of mm-hmm. what created us? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Lee did a really great job of forming um, community. Yeah. You know, and it really is something about, like, finding the right friends in college yeah. that makes college. Yeah. I mean, because the, the homework's going to be there. Yeah. You know, the the studies, you're there to study. I mean, you're that's the reason you went to that university, whatever yes. university. I guess most people. Yeah. Um, but what really makes the... I guess the experience worth it is the people that you meet there yeah. uh, because they are truly like lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. Like I graduated uh, seven years ago now. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those, yeah, it's one of those friendships that you don't have to see someone for like three or four years and you just pick up where yeah. you left off. And so I think Lee does that well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm blessed to come from there. Two of my favorite kids that I knew when they were real little in Athens and as they grew up are Christopher and David Chittum. Mm-hmm. And they both were at Lee and yeah. have had similar experience. Like, yeah. they met their wives there. And like, like, yeah, I did too. It just is, it builds a community that says, yeah. like, yeah, find people here that you will keep, whether spouse or friends. That you or, will keep. Yeah. Mm. So, okay. So let's talk about where you are now. Mm-hmm. You're in. Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, doing ministry to students at LSU and other universities yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, so I'm at uh, Bethany Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'm a next gen pastor. So I'm not just a young adult pastor; I'm also a youth pastor. Oh my and, gosh! Uh, and really, the so age, like sixth grade to twenty four, fifth grade to thirty years old. Get out <laughs> of here! Hello, churches. Welcome to twenty twenty three. Oh, there hustling, you go. We're hustling. We are hustling, so I oversee all the youth and young adult groups for our campuses. For I don't your know. Campuses? Yeah, campuses. Five, <gasps> five campuses. Wait, yeah. what? Okay, so yeah. oh my gosh. So tell me, you have people. You have people at your campuses. Oh, under you leading? Yes, and yes, for sure. An amazing all star team over all five campuses. Fifth grade to thirty. Thirty years old. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I call myself the dude. I, I'm calling you the you dude. You know, they they wow. just found that I was crazy enough to take on the challenge, yeah. and it's been fantastic. I mean, I've just just to be in proximity with young people, yeah, from yeah fifth grade all the way through like university, and to watch them step up in the middle of just the craziness of culture. Yeah, I mean, it's night and day yes. what they're going through and what they have to like, you know, really endure day yes. to day. Yes. And uh, to watch these young people just be champions in yeah. all those spaces, like I, I, if anything, I get a front row seat to watch them be champions and then uh, resource them along the way. So it's been great. Is it true? What I'm hearing from my friends who are doing next gen ministry yeah. is the next gen wants us to tell them what's black and white. Yeah. They don't want gray. Right. And then they can choose whether they agree or not, but yeah. they don't want us to come in soft. They want us to come in and say, hey, the truth is the truth. Yeah. What do you want to do with it? Has that been what you're experiencing? Yeah, for sure. Because uh, I think a lot of culture wants to coddle people into like, you know, soften things yeah. for people. And I, I think they're sick of that for sure. Like they just like, no, be honest with me. Yeah. Like how bad is it? You know, yeah. or how good can this be? Yes. Like, the, the, you know, don't don't uh, sell me short on it. And I've I've really found that young people rise to the occasion whenever you challenge them. Mm. And one bend that our ministry has taken is a missional one, where I've invited young people to say, "Hey, what would it look like for you to be a kingdom person at school wow. in sixth grade, yeah. uh, or as a freshman oh, in university?" And I have, I mean, I have a mountain of testimonies of yeah. young people saying. Yeah, I'll do that. And and they do. And yeah. just God's faithfulness and his hand on them. We've seen so many young people come to the Lord. This is probably also because I go into the public schools yeah. and the universities. I have never seen a harvest so ready to receive really? the gospel. I've never, ever. Like we'll walk in and I mean, standing on tables in cafeterias or in the gyms and the response of young people to the gospel 
has been insane. Like, wow. I and and I told I told the young people, I'm like, man, in the era where there's so much gray yeah. and ambiguity around certain things, mm-hmm. to have the this is the truth yeah. and this is the way to live is so refreshing to people. Yes. And uh, I think Barna did a study, and their study showed that around seventy percent of unchurched people would say yes to coming to church if you just asked them. Jeez. Which is, oh, that's a crazy stat. You yeah. wouldn't think, you would think it would be yeah. 30%, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. other way around. And so we're seeing that yeah, in real time. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation to share about our amazing partner, ButcherBox. Listen, y'all know I am not a hashtag food blogger very often, but when I find something I love and that makes my life easier, you are definitely going to hear about it. And y'all, that is ButcherBox. You know this. They are bringing 100% grass-fed beef, organic chicken, pork that is raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood straight to my house, y'all. All of their meats are humanely raised with no antibiotics or added hormones. You can pick from a curated box, which is what I do, or it Customize your own, and ButcherBox has free shipping always. I love a good premium dining experience. You know this about me, but let's be real. That's not happening every night. My budget will not allow it as such, and it is such a treat that I can get premium cuts of the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered right to my door so I can whip up quality meals on my budget, and you can too with ButcherBox. And let me tell you what I did this time. All the chicken they sent, I cooked it at one time. Batch cooking, I know. Hashtag food blogger. And I separated it into little baggies. I seasoned it like Mexican seasoning. So it's like taco meat and it's in my freezer and I just keep pulling out baggies after baggie and it is so helpful, you guys. But it's not just the convenience of having these perfectly curated selections delivered straight to me. It's like the brain space the butcher box saves me from standing in that section of the grocery store trying to figure out what to make and what would be good for the right price. Well, when it comes in my butcher box, I know I can make a ton of turkey burgers to have on hand or baggies of five ounces of chicken or the bacon. Y'all know I love the bacon. And the nugs. You know I love the nuggets. Listen, these are all the basic building blocks of my meals, mostly lunches, for the week. Plus, they are absolutely delicious. So ButcherBox is giving us a special deal. Listen to this. If you sign up today using the code TSF, you get this. You get free ground beef for a year and $20 off your first order. You guys, that is two pounds of ground beef free in every box for a year, plus $20 off your first order when you sign up at butcherbox.com slash TSF and use the code TSF. I'm talking burgers in the summer. I'm talking bolognese in the winter. I am telling you, two pounds of ground beef in every box. Let's go. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash TSF. Like that sounds fun and use the code TSF. And that link and pretty much every other link you could ever hope for are in the show notes or in our AFD week and review on Fridays. So be sure to check those out. And I've got one more amazing partner to tell you about, Chime. Listen, there are a lot of you who just graduated and are starting your first job. And listen, I can remember getting my first paycheck as an adult and thinking, I have made it. And I cannot wait to deposit this money into my account so I can actually pay my bills. Here's the thing. Good money habits start with your very first paycheck. And you've got an opportunity to jumpstart a healthy financial journey from the start of your first job or a new job or just a new season. When you sign up for Chime and link a qualifying direct deposit, you get access to benefits like getting paid up to two days early. Okay. And fee-free overdraft up to $200. Those go hand in hand for me. Plus, with Chime, there is no monthly fees, no minimum 
minimum balance and no deposit required to become a member. Chime's mission is to make financial peace of mind a reality for everyone, and they're doing that by changing the way people feel about banking. They want to make managing your money easy, and that's definitely something we all need. Whether you're starting a new job or just need a reset when it comes to money management, sign up for a Chime checking account today and link your paycheck. It only takes two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. So get started at chime.com slash that sounds fun. That's chime.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Ellie. That sounds fun. Tell me about LSU. What's God doing on that campus? Because I'm a Georgia Bulldog. Uh. <laughs> so, and so we've been against them for a long time. But I also know that God shows up yeah. real uniquely on different college campuses. Yeah, man. No, it, it's been fantastic. We we started with uh, one young lady. She was a senior at LSU. She's, uh, as a matter of fact, she's part-time staff at, at our church. And she just well had a heart for reaching the students on her campus. Yeah. And uh, it was just her by herself. Then we got a couple of leaders around her, like four of them. And um, they would go, there's a place called Free Speech Alley yeah. in front of the union. Interesting. And it's everyone that has something to hand out. Yeah, right? like it stands it's, there, yeah. Yeah, it feels like a miniature Times Square. Yeah, like, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like you're trying to avoid everyone handing you, That that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so we'll set up out there, we call it Lunch Club, like we'll set it out there during lunchtime and invite people yeah. uh, over to, to talk about Jesus with them. And man, she's been leading the charge and we have grown like several small groups out of that, like from scratch, which is university students just looking for truth and searching for truth and, um, and community and community. Yeah. Yeah. And belonging. Yeah. Right. Um, and belonging on the sense of just being present with people, but being known by people. And there is a depth that comes with like a biblical community Mm -hmm. that this young lady, uh, her name is Emma. She has led and so many other people that have been drawn to it. And so, yeah, also the bad reports on like universities, like there's no way to break in. The same with the public school system. There's just something about taking a stand and being black and white about this is the truth Mm -hmm. that resonates with people more than the small minority of loud people that say, no, there's no such thing as the truth. Yeah. So be brave. Get out there. LSU uh, is rocking and rolling. There's a, I don't even know who they are. There's a couple that get served to me on Instagram, like reels. They get served to me and they are in the like Winston-Salem area Mm. and they do a dinner once a week, maybe, for hmm. college students. And oh. they don't ever talk about their faith, but I'm like, there ain't a world where y'all aren't Christian. <laughs> because they, and like, they started because of one kid that hmm. they wanted to feed. And this week on their final dinner for the school year, yeah. a thousand kids. Ooh. They pay to feed a thousand Ooh. kids, food trucks, all yeah. sorts. We're not the same age, but they're our age. They're in yeah, their thirties yeah, and forties. Like they're they have one kid. They yeah, yeah. and I I just watch them and I'm like, oh, they aren't having to tell me. Right now, there's a world where someone's gonna email and be like, they're not Christian. They don't have to tell me they're Christian. What they're doing <laughs> looks real Christian. Really, the yeah, fruit yeah, of the tree looks real Christian. The fruit because it says we're just gonna gather them mm. and feed them mm. and give them community. Yeah, and so there's something about that that college students seem to really respond to. Besides yeah. free food, yeah, no, for sure, yeah, exactly, and and. There are places that offer free food. Right. Everyone's offering free food and a free T-shirt. Like that just yeah. happens. But at the end of the day, you don't you don't want to just build a crowd, right? Because a crowd is not a community. Community, right. you need intentionality. Yes. And students will stay if you're honest about wanting to know them 
And I think that that's been the biggest win on these college campuses because yeah. we're on several Loyola, uh, Southern. We're looking to branch out to Southeastern. But wow. really, it's not it's not complicated. It's, you know, remembering why you're on that campus. Yeah. And it's uh, to make disciples and disciples are made over time and, and, and genuine love. Disciples and authenticity. are made over time. So. That's it. That's what we have to yeah. remember because I sometimes think when we see someone accept Christ and become a believer, yeah. we expect them to be different tomorrow. Right. When the only thing that's changed on that moment mm-hmm. is the long part of the story. <laughs> no, for sure. And then we need to develop them. Yeah. I mean, go and make disciples. We yes. need to let them develop and change. And so I'm thinking about our friends listening who are like, oh, I love college students or, oh, I love high school students. I love middle school students. At our churches, how do we know where to volunteer? If we want to support the next mm. generation, how do we know if we're a small group leader? How do we know? Do we just go to the youth pastor or go to the college pastor and be like, put me in coach? Yeah. I mean, that is, I think, one of the greatest blessings you can do for a youth and young adult pastor is saying, hey, I'm here to serve. Where do you need help? Yeah. And regardless where where your place, like, you know, having a servant's heart, whether that is we need. So, for example, I have some dads that just sit at the entrance of our youth nights just yeah. to have a male presence, a fatherly presence. Wow. Um, there and and that's one of the things that I told to, uh, parents when it comes to the youth group, is that there's so many of these kids that come from broken homes. They're mere presence, yeah. To be around, to see a dad, to see, to a, see dad. a mom, and, and in a positive light. I love seeing other dads. Yeah. Like I just was like, oh, that's a different way to dad, yeah. and you don't know that until exactly. you're around other dads. Yeah. Exactly, and that's you know, and and I think in a lot of ways, there, there's so many different ways you can serve young people, but I think the first one is proximity and presence. Mm-hmm. That's number one, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's jumping to can I lead something. It's saying can I get close. Wow. And asking for permission to get close, and I don't, I don't know a youth pastor that would say no to that. Yeah. Uh, and if a youth pastor did, I'm, I would tell them they're shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I, that's right. Our goal is to partner with parents, and we believe that more than ever we need parents in the lives of our young people. And yeah. if they don't have any, we know that the community and the body of Christ has parents that can step up and step in. Yeah, and uh, and we've just seen that. So I, that's number one. I think yeah. just go get in proximity with the youth pastor, young yeah. adult pastor, and say, "Hey, I'm here to serve. What do you need?" Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. Even though I'm not married yet, getting to step into college students' lives. I mean, Mm. I like mothered college students for a lot of years here who are now old people. But, you know, they were, they needed someone to tell them where things were in the grocery store. Yeah. Because they didn't grow up here, you know? And so getting to mother like that is such a gift for those of us who aren't married yet or aren't mothering in a traditional way or fathering in a traditional way. It's like, Go dad at a youth group. Yeah. If you're not dadding in your house, go dad at a youth group. Yeah. You can still, you're still gifted in that way. A hundred percent. And I think that's very cool. Did yeah. you ever imagine, what did you think you were going to do with your life? Oh, I mean, I think at, so my fourth generation minister on my dad's side yeah. and third generation minister on my mom's side. <laughs> so, the family business. Yeah, the family <laughs> business. There's a, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I don't think though I had like a, for sure I'm going to be in ministry until I was around 16. Yeah. 16 was that moment for me where I gave my all to the Lord and I said, you can have all of me, not just at church, you can have me at school as well. And so I started leading a Bible study at school and I did that for about two and a half years. And it was like senior year, 
getting ready to go to college. And, you know, really the Lord asked me, he's like, so what do you want to do? And, you know, I kind of, I kind of had like a Peter moment whenever after Jesus tells everyone to drink his blood and it, and everyone leaves and he turns out, you guys are going to leave too. And he's like, we have no place to go. Yeah. You have the, you know, the words of uh, truth. And, and I felt like I had that moment and I was like, well, God, I have nowhere to go other than to serve you. So where do you want me to go? And my, both my parents are Lee alum. Oh, as well. Wow. Okay. And both of my wife's parents are Lee alum. They all met at Lee and then wow. we met at Lee. And so my kids are going to meet their spouse at <laughs> Lee, right. I guess. Yeah, That's, yeah. Put it before so the they, Lord. Ha- they have no choice. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I, in that moment uh, around 18, I knew I was going to be in full time ministry and in local church ministry. Yeah. So I get the chance to travel now, but really my heart is uh, to be in the grind of local church day in, day out. Will you talk about that a little bit? Because I think when I'm talking to people in their 20s that are wanting to do ministry full-time that looks like Mm -hmm. this part of my ministry, Mm. one of my things I say a lot is if you want to do global, you got to do local. 100%. So why does that matter to you? Oh, man, that matters to me because you— you just mentioned fruit, right? Like about yeah. that couple. It's like, you know, I can tell they're Christians by the fruit of their lives. Yeah. And um, to want to go global before local is to go empty handed with no fruit, right? Like yes. you have to have something to give to people. And the reality is only roots can produce fruit. And wow. so you have to you have to dig deep. You got to be with people. You have to have your, your pulse on what's going on because what the global church doesn't need are philosophers in the faith where they're just trying to invent ways of like, where are we going and yes. what's happening next? They need practitioners. Yes. They need people that are in real time with people and that when they show up to meetings about steering where the future of the church is going, they're experiencing the church in real time. They're leading in real time. That's, that's invaluable. And so if you're a young person, you're like, man, I, I want to get out there. I would say first that you have to really consider one, why you want to get out there, and two, if you get out there, what are you bringing? Yes. You know, because people don't need your personality. Yeah. Right? People are in dying need of the presence of God. Yeah. And that cannot be conjured up. That has to be cultivated. Mm-hmm. And so there's a cultivation in local church. And, and so, yeah, I, I would challenge any young person, get your roots down. Yes. And if God gives you the opportunity to go out, Take it, you know, from there. But you do not want to go out there just because that's the thing to do. And that's the trajectory you see successful people are on. And And I mean, I taught, I'm sure you're like this too. I taught high school, Sunday school with my friend Kevin for years before I did anything Mm. public. I was just, and and I just started asking the Lord to open doors. But I, I think... We get to be part of the local church. Yes. That's what we get to do. Yeah. And then anything beyond that, great. But yeah. the local church ain't going anywhere. No, it's not. No, no. Absolutely. Did you think you'd write a book? Was that part of the whole no. trajectory? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> okay, so why? what made you sit down? And I, I told you this when you walked in, but I want to say it on the mic. You're an incredible writer. Oh, wow. You Thank are. You. I mean, as I, it is my first note when I was reading. Great <laughs> writer. I mean, th- this oh, is wow. a really well-written book, mm-hmm. Ellie. What made you write Mix? What made you sit down and go, I need to write this story? Man, you know, it was kind of therapy for me wow. in 2020. You know, because 2020 wasn't just known for the pandemic year. I mean, yes. racial tensions in the U.S. were were insane. Mm-hmm. There was so much going on. It was so dynamic. And it felt like it was tragedy after tragedy. Yes. You know, and we on top of that, because we were in lockdown, we were locked into the screens. Yes. And yes. it was just a flood and torrent of, of different news cycles yep. talking about various things. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of had a moment where I was like, man, I... 
I need to get this off my chest. And so I just kind of started writing about it and I started posting about it. And it was kind of like a righteous indignation because I felt so angry. And on top of that, I felt so misunderstood Mm. and I felt so homeless in the conversation. Will you explain why that is? Yeah, because a large part of what ended up happening was I was raising my voice for the black community during that time. And as I was, as I was raising my voice for that and, and for the listeners, I'm, I'm Dominican and I'm Mexican. So my mother's from the Dominican Republic. My dad's from Mexico. And I grew up in South Texas, Santo, so two hours from the border. And so I, I start making comments about, you know, Black Lives Matter and all the things that were going on at the beginning of that year. And as I was posting on, on uh, Facebook and on Instagram, I would start getting comments from Mexicans about, hey, man, awesome that you're getting loud about this, but we've had children in cages on the border for several years now. And I, we haven't seen a post, wow. you know, and, uh, and if you have posts, can you be as loud for that as you are for this? And then I remember I, I kind of put together something that was like, okay, let me try to do both. And I, I tried to put both. And then I had my black friends saying, Hey man, right now is not the time you're, you're diluting the conversation by bringing this up. So if you can't, let's, let's stay on task. Like we have to all be in on one thing or else progress won't be made. And at that point I was like, I was trying to do the math. I'm like, Oh, but all of these things are happening all at the same time. And both of these things affect me as a as a mixed kid, you know, because my mom is Afro Latina. So she's a black woman, but she's from a Latin American country like Dominican Republic. And my dad's from Mexico and I'm the combination of both cultures and heritages. And so I'm like, but I feel strongly about both. And so do I have to wait? Like, which part of me has to wait uh, to do? And so I think out of that angst, I began to write. And I went kind of through like an emo phase. Like if you scroll back on my timeline, yeah. things were like gray scaled and like oh, black great, and white. Great, great. Well done. And so I'm like, you know. I'm, Let yourself, listen, have yeah. grace for yourself in 2020. Yeah, we you know, I think we were all grayscale in <laughs> yeah, uh, 2020. Right. There was no, uh, yeah, there was no vibrancy there. But, you know, I, I, I kind of had a moment of like, okay, so then when do I begin to talk? What part of me gets to talk? You know, how, how does this taking turns thing work? And so I just started writing and it kind of crescendoed into uh, people taking notice about me talking about this conversation. And I had been working with the Latino church for years, Sam Rodriguez, I I worked for him. And he's the one that really introduced me to a national platform. And he asked me to be his next gen director for his organization. And so I've had interactions with the Latino church, the the broad and really diverse Latino church. And um, and I think that's important to say, because I don't know that a lot of us know how diverse even the Latino church is, because there's so many different countries represented. and, And skin tones represented. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All the different races, 20 different countries, all very different historical backgrounds and contexts. And so I I kind of was already in the space talking about race and ethnicity before 2020. So this 2020 was in the moment where I was like, oh, let me think about race and ethnicity. One, make the argument over my life. I was born into a complicated you know, category, if you will, or non-category yeah. of being mixed. But two, when when it came to 2020 and I had to write on race, but I was serving in the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, right. I got to a place where I was like, well, then let me just write whatever I feel. Mm. People took notice. And one thing led to the next. And um, I found myself sharing about it on platforms. Yeah. And that's when the opportunity to write a book came along. And uh, when the publisher came to me, I had already written like, 
It was like somewhere around 15,000 words. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah, No, <laughs> You're was, like, yeah, I'm a third of the way done, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was a crazy <laughs> amount, and wow. which also was kind of like when I got on the Zoom with them. Yeah. They're like, oh, thank Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so that's kind of how it started rolling. I think this is really interesting. On the cover, you list for people yeah. they can see on my Instagram or when they go order it on Amazon, you'll yeah. see it, obviously, where you tick off what race you are. Mm-hmm. It says black, white, Hispanic, Asian, other, and you wrote in mixed. But mm-hmm. Hispanic has a question mark. Yeah. Why? So, uh, well, and it's still to this day. So Hispanic, uh, Latino is considered an ethnicity. And you have to, especially like in government forms, you have yeah. to check what race are you and then what ethnicity are you? Yes. So Hispanic Latino is not in the race category. And so up until I was like almost 20 years old, I was always told if you're Hispanic, check white. Wow. Which is. And then when you I get mean, to ethnicity. you And would... then you can, yeah, put Hispanic, wow. um, which was always odd to me. And there's there's a whole history that we probably can't get on this podcast. It's something yeah. fascinating. Look it up. The history on you why. You write about it some in the book. I it's write a wild. bit about it. Yeah. yeah. And. And and so I was checking white my whole life, and I am not white yeah. at all. And so whenever uh, I got to to making the cover, I was like, I, I tried to put how confusing these boxes are for us that we don't fit in that, and we were asked to like check something that was completely incorrect. Yeah. And so that's a bit of me throwing like, hey, look how confusing this yeah. is. So I'm going to choose a different box. Yeah. And I'm going to write in my own. Thank God there's a blank here. I'm going to yes. write in my own a word for that. And my word was mixed. I loved the question mark. I thought that is not on accident. There it's is, not. There is a story it's here. Not. As a matter of fact, when they made the cover, they put it without the question mark. Yeah. And I told them to put the question mark because, I mean, Latinos will know Oh, well, Hispanic's not under that category. And yeah. so I'm raising the question on the yeah, cover. Yeah, dude. That yeah. stuff, people don't know. The Easter <laughs> yeah, eggs. Call the Easter you gotta eggs. You got to pay attention to all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to share about another amazing partner, Indeed. With all the new graduates searching for jobs, now is a great time to post the open positions at your company. And Indeed is the place to do it, y'all. Indeed is who we use when we're hiring, and they have never steered us wrong. They do all the hard work for you. Indeed shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so that you can hire faster. And this is so important when you're already short on bandwidth. They are the experts at helping us find the best fit for the roles we want to build our teams with. So if you're hiring, you need Indeed. They can help you attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So you don't have to spend your valuable hours digging through multiple job sites, looking for candidates with the right skills. Instead, you can do all of that and fast with Indeed. Reclaim your time and find top talent fast with Indeed. Their suite of powerful hiring tools like assessments and virtual interviews allow you to find top talent fast. Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to a job than candidates who only see it in a search, according to U.S. Indeed's data. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sounds fun. The offer is good for a limited time, so claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Terms and conditions apply. And if you need to hire, you need Indeed. And I have one last amazing partner to share with you, Ritual. Okay, if you're anything like me, skincare tricks and solutions keep crowding my bathroom cabinets and counter space. Are you the same? I'm like trying my best to take care of my skin, but it is a lot of different things to keep up with. But did you know there's an option to swallow your skincare? You guys, 
for real. Ritual's Hyacera combines hyaluronic acid and ceramides in a once daily capsule. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with just one capsule with a soothing vanilla scent, you guys. Each one contains two of the best clinically studied ingredients shown to help minimize wrinkles and hydrate skin. It's non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, soy-free, has no artificial colorants, and is third-party tested. So you know you're putting the best option in your body. I love that this option also also makes it so easy for traveling. We already have to think about enough things when it comes to packing up all the toiletries and skincare. And I just, I don't have room for it all. If you're flying and you're just carrying on, or are you not? I don't know. I mean, thinking about the bus, how do I get everything on there for tour? Are there a certain amount of liquids you're allowed to fly with? Listen, listen, listen. With Rituals Hyacera, you don't have to worry about any of that because you're just packing your daily capsules and they've seen proven results in 90 days. So think about it. If you start now, you can have healthier skin by the end of summer, you guys. Aging like fine wine, addressing the fine lines and making your skincare a little simpler every day. Hyacera from Ritual is a skin supplement you can actually trust. Ritual is offering my friends, 10% off during your first three months. That's all you need to prove that it works, right? The first three months. So visit ritual.com slash that sounds fun to start ritual or add Hyacera to your lineup today. And now back to finish up our conversation with Ellie. That sounds fun. One line that really stood out to me that I want you to talk about mm. is you say the farther you are from the purest version of the group, mm-hmm. the less weight your views and voice will have. Mm-hmm. When I tell you I've never thought, because I am just a white girl, right? I, mm. And I'm, I love my family. So mm-hmm. it is not like just, I just mean, I don't have any other yeah, yeah. flavor except, <laughs> right, right. you know, nothing that yeah. we really know of. Yeah, yeah. So I am not a mixed race. Mm. I've never thought about that your experience is less of a voice because you put them together. Yeah. What I loved about this book is I thought people are going to be heard who have never felt heard before. Mm. How do we start listening to people who are multicultural in themselves? Yeah, man, that's that's a fantastic question. So for for all, all of us that are of mixed race or mixed ethnicity, culture, heritage, there's a term called third culture community. Yeah. That we're a third culture community. So we're I've not. I've heard that about missionary kids before. That yes. Yeah. Third it culture. Very, exactly that. Yeah. It's it's the same. It's the same term where yeah. you're not from here or there. Ni de aquí, ni de allá. That's yeah, like the Spanish, yeah, yeah. right? So yeah. I'm not from here or there. Yeah. And so that's, you know, what, what we experience because I, yeah, I take part of my mom, but I'm not completely my mom and I take part of my dad. I'm not completely my dad. I'm kind of a mix of the two, which is something completely different. Yeah. And so I think whenever I wrote that, one of the terms I also use is like a visitor's pass Yes, that I'm not all this and all that. And when, you know, it's kind of like, you don't know you have a true friend until things are going bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like when times of tension and hardship happen, people will gravitate to purity and simplicity. Mm -hmm. And so if let's just say, for example, all the things that I said about what people were saying about me on social media, they're like, well, you, you, if you're not passionate about this, well, you're also not completely this. Yes. So that's why you're diluted. Yes. Right. And so we're not going to listen to you because, you know, you're already conflicted. You're, you got a conflict of interest. You're also a part of the other group. Yes. And so leave this to the purists. Leave this yeah. to the people that have experienced it to the full. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was what I meant by that line. It's like, yeah. hey, I, 
I can't be, it's kind of like the president of the United States. You can't be born in another country and be our president. Yeah. That's just a law we have in place. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing for these groups. Yeah. It's like, hey, you can be here, but you can never be our president. Yes. And so, you know, I, I experienced so much of that where it's, I'm not this enough. Like you're not Latino enough. I wasn't American enough, Dominican enough. It was like, you're not this enough and there's a lot it does feel you feel a little nomadic and i mean i have a a whole chapter on that where i i call jesus the king without that's where we're going yeah so so that to to begin that that purity and getting to the center what happens when you get stuck on the borderlands and you have no home Yeah. yeah talk about jesus yeah i mean what you write about jesus being a mixed race person as well like there were things and we have a podcast the let's read the gospels where we're reading the gospels Mm. out loud every month so i have read the matthew mark luke john out loud five times (laughs) my mouth is so tired (laughs) and we're loving it as well but i mean this is a mixed up making of a messiah yeah will you talk about that a little bit yeah i mean you just look at the genealogies right like where we see uh, several gentile women in his lineage, and right, this is, and this is also me. Uh, just for people to understand, I'm not, I'm not saying that Jesus is mixed ethnically, like the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. I, I like, I get, yes. I get that. Just, to, just to be clear, the heretic hunters. Just to be clear, I, you know, I, I'm not calling Jesus. Yeah, we mixed work really hard sense. not to have heretics yeah, on the show. So say, just, it's a goal. Just to be clear, but to know that Jesus was born into a context. Yes, a context he got to choose to be born in, and what a context to choose to be born in mm-hmm. during. The geopolitical era, the town he was born in, then the pressures of the government trying to hunt him down that forced him into Egypt and then having to come back and then settling in a place with a reputation like Nazareth. And Egypt, they were there a long time. Like he is living in Africa as a young kid. And so he experienced this was not the culture that his mom knew or Joseph knew. Exactly. And here that I mean, I, I think I downplay how long he was in Egypt. Yeah, and maybe sometimes we downplay what those formative years yeah. really are. Yeah. When you're a young kid, I mean, it, it, listen to any podcast that talks about young kids and development. Yes. You know, yes. those early years are super important yes. and formative. And so, you know, when we talk about Jesus and we, you know, we we see um, in the epistles where we know him as one that can empathize with us, mm-hmm. we see how many dynamics are thrown his way yeah. as he's growing up and then having to navigate ministry. And so what I try to do is I tried to highlight in the book like, no, Jesus had to trudge through so much that is very similar to all of us that have to trudge through a mixed company, a mixed bag of cultural norms and tensions and the geopolitical side and then handling his interpersonal relationships with not just his disciples but his mom and his siblings. You know, who's my mom and who are my brothers? (laughs) Jesus, they're they're right out there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And or did you not know I'm about my father's business mom like in all of those things that he had to navigate and so I gave kind of like a story at the beginning of the Jesus chapter where I'm talking about my friend and her experience as a Mexican going to the great state of Georgia yeah in Georgia (laughs) in Georgia and right after that without skipping a beat I Start it with, and let me tell you about another friend. Yes. And I use kind of our modern terminology for what, how we would describe Jesus's journey from birth all the way to his ascension. Yeah. And you look at it and you're like, man, that sounds like that could be anybody. Like there's so many, there's so many experiences there that like the common person goes through and has yeah. to struggle through. Yeah. And you're like, that's your Messiah. 
Yes. You know, the blue collar work with your hands, you know, coming from having to navigate, moving from place to place. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, sometimes we we lose the context of Christ. When we get into church, like we we, we really try to sanitize Jesus, but you don't live a sanitized life. Mm. And Jesus was so willing to get dirty and get into the complexity and conquer it so that he can lead you through your own complexity yeah. that I thought it was super important to put that in the book. I just feel like the longer I'm a person, <laughs> the longer I'm a believer, yeah. Faith does not get easier. It gets more complex. Yes. And in a good way. Mm -hmm. And so even this conversation, as I was reading your book, I was like, oh, this is a complexity about the churches that I serve mm. and the people that are my neighbors yeah. and other believers. This is a complexity that I have not thought about enough. Mm. Because also I feel like publicly a lot of times we see people lean on the most obvious of their races yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. No one else is doing this, Ellie, is what I'm telling you. Because it's not comfortable. It, we want to oversimplify ourselves, right? Yeah, me too. Like, uh, for example, my name. I tried to simplify my name and shorten oh, it, E-L-I. And uh, no, I was going to call you out, but it's spelled. So for people that know, I go by Ellie, but it's spelled Eli because it's short for Eliezer, E-L-I-E-Z-E-R. Uh -huh. And so I try to contextualize it for people. And, you know, in trying to simplify, it actually got more complicated because the way it's pronounced and the way that it's said is completely different. <laughs> All right. And I think that when we try to oversimplify our lives, we overcomplicate our lives. Mm. Like our life's complicated enough. That's it. But God has ordained a path for a certain direction of complexity and not for the complexity we make for ourselves. Yes. And so a lot of our identity crisis comes from, I'm going to define me. But I heard it said once, I, I don't know who I heard this from, I'm not claiming it. So, you know, don't sue me. But if you didn't design you, you can't define you. Wow. Right. And so I think it's, it's two things happening simultaneously. The boxes the world builds, it's in the book as well. Mm -hmm. The boxes the world builds yes. for us and the boxes we build for ourselves. Yes. And I think a lot of the complexity like comes from us just getting in our own box that we put for ourselves. Yes. And then, you know, you get in there and you're like, oh man, this is, well, it's better the known than me investigate who God has created me mm. to be, or it's better someone tell me who I am yes. so I can just do that yeah. without having to uh, pioneer whatever God is asking me to go and trust him in. And so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge point. Yeah. So at the end, you talk about your identity being part of your mission. Yeah. Will you kind of speak into that? Will you define identifiers versus identity first? Yeah. Because I do want us to kind of yeah. think through what we're actually saying when we say our identity is on mission. Yeah. So your identity versus your identifiers. So your identifiers are things that people can identify you by. Uh -huh. So they're things on the outside, right? Yes. Like the way that you dress, your skin color, the way that you carry yourself, right? Yes. Like you smile, you don't smile. Those are all identifiers that people can know you by at a cursory level, yeah. uh, right? Like, uh, and your identity is something so much deeper. You know, like your identifiers are skin deep. Your identity is soul deep. Yeah. You know, and, and, That's and good. oftentimes... It's not as overt 
the, your identity is not as overt mm-hmm. and, and it's and it's under layers, right? There's so many layers that go into your identity. And when I talk about identity on mission, I talk about the fact that whenever you give your life to Christ, you completely give it to him. Mm-hmm. And Christ has made you a missionary like he was a missionary. Yes. He left heaven to come to earth because he wanted to redeem the world. And he made his plan A, the church, which are the people of God. And so when I sign up for this thing and I become a Christian, guess what? I signed up for a mission, right? the great co-mission, co-mission. I'm doing this together with Jesus. And so I have to reconcile that, okay, if he destined me to be a co-missioner with him, then that means that whatever I am is designed to be effective where I'm going. Mm. And so I have to take inventory of who I've who I am, all yeah. the experiences that I've I've taken in, all the relationships that have shaped and formed me, all everything, I have to take that into account because I'm not called just to be, which is, I think, at the beginning of this book, hey, we need to grapple with who we are yeah. because we're human beings, right? Yeah. And after that, once we've grappled with that, then we have to grapple with, okay, not just being, but doing. Yes. So out of being, then doing. So that's yes. the missional part of identity. So that's why I make the argument like, hey, get to know who you are and who God designed you to be uh-huh. because you will be amazed the power that's in that to do the redemptive work of Christ in all of the world yeah. because you can only reach the people you can reach. Yeah. And so being different actually gives you that unreached people group, for yeah, example. Yeah. There's an unreached people group in your city that is waiting for a person like you to give your all to Christ, to reconcile yourself to him, and then to take that reconciled self to a world to be reconciled back to Christ, yeah. right? So it's kind of, it's that trajectory from vertical to horizontal. And so that's why I'm like so clear on like the difference between identifiers and identity because identifiers are not to be thrown away. Yes. They're a part of you, but that deeper conversation around identity is not one that keeps you still. It it sends you. You're just sending with that. The fun part of you explaining all that is we just heard that you have done that with your life. Like you sat with this message and this experience of being mixed and 2020 wrestling with it. And then you went, okay. Now I actually can use it. Mm-hmm. Now I, I actually can yeah. be part of what's going forward. Mixed feels like a word I'm not supposed to say. Is that? But that is okay to say. Yeah. Okay. I don't uh, know why it feels like a like a <laughs> derogatory term or something. It's not though. No, no. I, and I wouldn't say. And I'm sure. You know, we're post 2020. Yeah, someone's, someone's going to say yeah, something certainly. in the comments and say that. But really, mixed goes beyond race, right? Like and ethnicity in this book. So it's mm-hmm. this is me making an argument that we're all mixed with something. Yeah, that's right. You're mixed in your relationships. You're mixed in your experiences. You're not a simple person, but that's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing that you're not simple. And, you know, we we use Romans 8.28 to talk about the good things and the bad things happening in your life for a greater purpose. But I think we do need to take into account that all of those things that work together in you, the big and the small, the good and the bad, that mixture is the perfect mixture when you love God to do his purpose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what the argument that I'm making. And so I'm saying, I don't mind if someone says, yeah, I'm a mixed bag of things or I'm I'm a mixed person because at the end of the day, 
you're the only one that's ever lived your life. Yeah, and you're the right. only one that's ever experienced what you've experienced. That's right. And God wants to reconcile all those things for good. Yeah. And so and to put uh, it on mission. And put it your on whole mission. Story. So this is me so trying good, to Ellie. take shame away. Yes. Yeah, for yes. sure. Yes. Okay, you did a very responsible thing where you showed up with notes. Yeah. Is there anything we didn't say on your notes that you want to make sure no, we say? No, I actually, That's you so know, uh, I, I showed up because I, I was like, man, i super nervous about this podcast. But anyways, <laughs> oh no, I love, I love your podcast, by oh, the way. Oh, you're so, so kind. I, you don't have to be nervous. So it's just I, me. I came, I came uh, prepared. And also, <laughs> I just want people to know, like Annie, her and I, we've been great friends and you've made this so easy for me to wow. be on here. The nerves went away when we start talking Good. and you talk about like sitting across from a friend and, yeah. and it's felt. Oh, so nice. that's why I haven't looked at my notes. I'm like, yeah. this is great. We're like, going. I, I don't mind anything <laughs> on the notes. Uh, uh, but I really, I really don't have anything else to add. But I think at the core of it, I hope that people don't disqualify themselves from buying the book because they don't, they're not racially or ethnically mixed. Yes. Because that's not the point of the book. That's right. You'll walk away for, with some tools when it, comes to the conversation about yes. race and ethnicity. Oh, huge but for me. We have all been part of a moment where we felt like an outsider in our own story. Yes. Right? Yes. And we've had a identity crisis. Yeah. Whether you're the middle child or you're you're the tall kid at school yeah. or you're the you know, southerner who moved up so, north, you're the northerner who moved down south. Yeah. 100%. Sure. You th there have been moments in your life where you feel like you didn't fit in yeah. and you've had to force yourself into something yeah. and you felt unsatisfied. And when you've tried to break out, you've had a community shame you for trying to get yeah. out. And this book is written to you so you can have yeah. self-reconciliation. Yes, That was a big part of my journey. Yeah. Self-reconciliation where I had to yeah. reconcile two ethnicities and races on the inside of me yeah. that were at war with one another to take turns or to take dominance so that I could put it up as a front. I, yeah. I call it like the caricature complex, yes. right? It's like, because I'm half Mexican, I was like, you know, what places am I going to act more George Lopez than I am, <laughs> you know, other places? Um, and, and it just, uh, and I want, I want people to know that they don't have to diminish any part of themselves. That's right. That they're not a fragmented human being, that they're yeah. a whole human being. Yeah. And Christ can lead you on the journey of how it works yeah. together. Just trust him with it. And I hope that the book helps. Oh, it's so good. I think for our friends listening who experience a multiracial life where they are mixed, this is so helpful, I would assume. Yeah. I can't read it with that brain, but I would assume. Yeah. But for me, I also like blew my mind on things that I had never thought of. I mean, I sent the cover. I talked about it at dinner last night. Yeah. I sent the cover to multiple friends yesterday and said, have you read this yet? <laughs> and people wow. that I sent it to friends that are mixed. I sent it to friends who aren't wow. are racially mixed yeah, yeah, yeah. because I'm like, this is a story I'm not reading anywhere else, Ellie. Mm. And so I just think what a gift it is, what a gift it is, what a oh, gift man. you are. So I'm so happy that you did <laughs> this. All right. The last question we always ask, yeah. because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Yeah. Tell me what sounds fun to you. Oh, going to Disney World with my kids oh, and my wife. Oh, have y'all done it yet? We have, but the kids <gasps> uh, are getting older. Yeah. So my oldest is about to be four. She's in her princess, princess era. Era. She's I in knew her it. princess era. Who's her princess of choice? Um, all of them. Oh, yeah, all of them. But she definitely leans Elsa and Anna. Yeah. She'll flip right. back and forth. Yes. Moana. Oh, and um, from Encanto. Oh, yeah. Um, Mirabel. Oh, Mirabel. Yeah. yeah. Mirabel. So we have her whole Mirabel outfit, and she has the little glasses <laughs> and so stuff. Sweet. 
Uh, but she she definitely, I mean, she has a little Jasmine outfit. She does all the princesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is just a princess. Yeah. And so we talked about it recently, my wife and I. And so we were talking about like going a road trip out there. Yes. And, uh, you know, as, as a dad, there's just nothing like uh, seeing your child's eyes like yeah. light up. Yeah. And Disney World is the place yeah. uh, for them. And then my son also, he's getting older and Buzz yeah. Lightyear and, oh, you yeah. know, things like that. He's starting to get it. Yeah. And so uh, that sounds a little... A lot of fun for yeah, me. My yeah, my nephew is two, almost three. And so before he's born, I'm like, why do people take little kids to Disney? Yeah. What do we, and now I'm like, do you want to go to Disney? Yeah, do you yeah, want, yeah. I, want, I want to see you That's That's do it. This. That's <laughs> it. I, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but like to watch someone get excited. Yes, there's yes. something about that. Yes. There's a science. I'm sure there's a science yes. out there about that. But to watch, especially your kids get yeah. super excited. Yes. And, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. <laughs> Uh, so that sounds fun. I went last year with my best friends here and their three kids who yeah. are um, all elementary, but like kindergarten, third, fifth, yeah. I think. And the kindergartner was like, will you ride Slinky Dog again? It was July. It was 1,000 oh. degrees. He's like, will you ride Slinky Dog again? I was like, yeah. yeah. I'll, anything. <laughs> anything to, for you to have fun is a yes for me. Yes. I am sweating my life away. <laughs> oh, my god! But also, let's go. Um, awesome. Great answer. Well done. Thanks Thank for doing you. this. I cannot wait for people to get mixed. Awesome. Thank you for having me. You guys, isn't he brilliant? Oh my gosh, Ellie is so brilliant. I love that conversation so much. And also, like it just every time I get to have friends on that are younger than me, that are like the generation below, I'm like so stoked about what's going on in the church and the way people are committed to Jesus and having really important conversations like Ellie's and like his book. So make sure you grab a copy of Mix. Again, I'm telling you, I've never read a book like it. And I read a lot of books and I've never read a book like it. So I would really encourage you to grab a copy of Mix. Follow Ellie on social media. Thank him for being on the show. Also on May 30th, we want to kick off the summer months by going through Chase the Fun together and you are invited. And if you've already gone through it once, that's okay. Jump in again. There is always more fun to be had and more to learn. What I know to be true is when we chase fun, joy follows. So what are you needing this summer? I don't know what your year has looked like so far, but I'm guessing it has held joy and sorrow. And for a hundred days this summer, I want to invite you to chase the fun. Head to the link in the show notes to sign up and go order your copy of the book. Those are your two assignments. Sign up in the link in the show notes. Make sure you've got a copy of Chase the Fun. We all know that we have a better chance of finishing a hundred days when we finish together. We finish better when we finish together. Okay. So I'm so excited for us to do that together this summer. I'm, I'm right along with you. I'm doing it with you. I cannot wait. It's going to be weird to read my own words, but I'm doing it. Okay. We heard what sounds fun to Ellie. You know, what sounds fun to me doing chase the fun with you. Now we get to hear what sounds fun to one of our friends who's listening just like you. Okay, Kayla, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. I'm Kayla, and I'm from Sacramento, California. And what sounds fun to me is going paddleboarding in some of the local rivers and lakes. Uh, we've had a really rainy winter, so it's finally starting to be sunny again. So enjoying the sunshine and getting outside sounds fun. To okay, me. stand up paddle. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Pad- it's like a paddle, a board. You stand on it and yeah. then paddle. <laughs> yeah. And so the couple of times I've tried it, I fall yeah. off a lot. Do you fall off a lot? No, not okay. really. Okay. I mean, you can fall, but you can sit on it too if that feels. That you know, may need better. to be my future. Is yeah, sitting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, I, until yeah. I get better at it and then standing. Yeah. Yeah. What Do you if, own what your own? Good? No, my parents used to live close to me and I would borrow there. So now yeah. I just rent because 
I don't have the storage for it, you know? <laughs> right, that's right. And renting is fine for like the few times. Yes. Yeah, I support yes. that. Well done. Yes. Okay, stand up paddle. Nobody said that yet. Yes. That's a great answer. Okay, great. And then the other thing that sounds fun to me, I have to say, is coming to see you in Austin <gasps> for the Care For You tour. Yes, you're going to be at the Austin <laughs> show. Yes, oh, I I'm am. I'm so glad. It is going to be so fun. It's going to be the best night. I'm so glad. Okay, so uh, will I get to actually see you? Yes. Okay, great. Super. Yes. I can't wait, Kayla. That's awesome. Me neither. <laughs> Good answers. Good answers. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home. Do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me, y'all know this about my life. About once a month, I eat dinner with Winston and Rachel Cruz. We call it Wind Down Winston Wednesday, and that is tonight. And I cannot wait. I know, it's not a Wednesday, but we don't always do it on Wednesdays. It's complicated. But I get to eat dinner with my friends tonight. It's one of my favorite families. I cannot wait. Y'all have a great week, and we will see you back here on Thursday with my friend Kyle Eidelman. Y'all have a good week.